G'day folks, welcome to the Finance Hour. You might be listening live on Jair or on the podcast. I suspect more of you are listening on the podcast, so thanks for tuning in. Uh, my name is Ruben Zeller, I'm a financial planner and I've been doing this show, The Finance Hour, for a couple of years. So thank you very much to all my consistent listeners. Uh, a special shout out uh, to Biri, uh, Mark and Leon, who I know are great consistent listeners. I appreciate your support. Uh, in fact, I appreciate everyone's support. I uh, hope that uh, you've all had a good holiday. Uh, we have been back for a couple of weeks. Uh, we're back again now. Uh, I'm looking forward to the show today. Uh, the show, would you believe it, is about the Royal Commission report. Uh, even those of you that are not that interested in the finance world could not have avoided uh, hearing and seeing about it. Uh, there's a lot to unpack. Uh, there's a fair bit that affects uh, my industry, financial advice. Uh, and I'm going to probably focus on that a bit today. Number one, because it's probably what I'm interested in. But number two, I think you know financial advice is obviously really important. Access to it is important, and certainly the trust, raising the trust level is going to be really important. Uh, and you know, regardless of where you get it from, I think the trust, unfortunately, at this stage is is pretty low. So hopefully, this uh, commission, Royal Commission can help fix that to some extent. Although there's plenty of work to be done. We're going to be joined by James Williamson, who's a colleague of mine, a financial planner of Millhaven Financial, based in Sydney. So he is going to dissect things with me. I'm going to get him online really soon. But first of all, it is time for Ruben's Rant. Ruben's Rant. Now, my rant this week is, of course, about the government's response to the Royal Commission. I said last week that Labor had said that they are going to accept every single proposal, even before they've heard it, uh, what was in it. Of course, Liberal did exactly the same thing with one minor, minor change, which we'll talk about later. But I, I want to say that this is really unprecedented. They, they did this purely for political purposes. I'm not saying that what in the, what's in the Royal Commission is not correct, but it really is incumbent on the government to analyse it, work out the implementation dates uh, and what maybe does not work in it. But of course, because there's an election coming up and because it's become such a political hot potato, both parties fell into the trap, which is exactly what you expected they would do, uh, and just said that they are accepting absolutely everything. This is unprecedented. They never do this with any other Royal Commissions. They always take time to analyse and then work out the implementation. But here they worked it out within about 30 seconds, or even before that, it was all a fait accompli. Okay, uh, I'm going to take a very quick break, and I'm going to get James on the phone. Welcome back to the Finance Hour. We are talking Royal Commission this week, and of course, uh, the report which came out just on Monday night. To dissect things a bit, I've got my colleague uh, and friend, fellow financial planner, James Williamson from Millhaven. James, do I have you? You do indeed. Excellent. Much better. Sorry about the technical no difficulties before. That's okay. How are you going? I'm really well, thank you. It's been a busy couple of days uh, dissecting some of the information that we've had come out. Yeah, so look, thanks for coming on. I mean, obviously, I said to the listeners that being financial planners, we're probably going to really take the financial advice lens to this whole Royal Commission. I mean, there's a whole lot of stuff that's come out. Um, but we'll probably talk about, you know, what affects financial advice a bit more. But before we get into detail, just give me like a very, very quick summary what your overview of the, uh, the, the Royal Commission report was. Is this, uh, you know, as what they promised, going to fundamentally... Uh, change things in your view? Uh, I, I think that it's really put a shot across the bowels for the banks. There's no mm. doubt about that. Mm. 
I thought they would go a little bit harder on the bank, yeah. to be honest. Uh, so I was a little bit surprised by that. However, thinking a bit more deeply about it, I'm hoping that, you know, Kenneth Hayner's really looked at this and said, well, I've put 24 recommendations to ASIC out there. Mm. Hopefully they will go pretty hard on the banks in those investigations. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so that was my initial thought. Mm. It's interesting. I probably thought maybe slightly different. I mean, I, I, th- I, mean, I think there's a lot of stuff in there for sort of intermediaries like mortgage brokers and you know financial advisors yeah. to an extent. I didn't think there was that much specifically aimed at the banks. But the biggest thing is, is I think you know, this isn't an end to itself. So quite what you said in terms of the enforcement um, of regulations, I think it's quite clear that ASIC... Uh, you know, haven't really enforced the regulations as much as they should have. I think... Oh, there's no doubt. Yeah, I think, you know, the laws, a lot of the laws are there, um, but they're now just going to be enforced a lot more heavily than what they were in the past. Oh, there's no doubt. I think the new boss of ASIC, James Shipton, is uh, pretty clear on that. Yeah. Uh, And if you look at his resume from Hong Kong and the UK, uh, he's a pretty hard hitter. Yeah. So I think that's going to be an interesting uh, play over the next couple of years. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, and I, and I think that that change in enforcement is going to have, you know, even more of an impact than, you know, the specific recommendations that they've made. Because yeah. let's be honest, a lot of the laws were already there. They just weren't weren't focused on. But I, I don't, and I said, look, I probably did focus on the areas of financial advice. I, I didn't really get a feeling, though, there's anything that, you know, fundamentally changes people's relationship with their bank. I, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't really yeah. get that feeling. Did you? I did see an interesting comment on a, uh, a newspaper commentary and on online saying that you know, if you steal a dollar from the bank, you go to jail. If a bank steals a dollar from you, in terms of not you know, providing mm. a service and taking mm. a fee, that nothing happens. So yeah. It does. I think the public were expecting more. Mm. Uh, I think as advisors, I, I, I think we're no longer surprised when certain things happen. No. Uh, but I think the public, or the layman out there, would certainly was expecting more from uh, from from the recommendations. Mm. Although, mind you, what a lot of people probably missed on the day. I mean, there's Commonwealth Bank that have got all their in-house uh, financial planners, and they were obviously accused and admitted to, you know, charging fees to people and not giving them the, uh, the uh, commensurate service. ASIC at that, that day came out and said to them, you know, you haven't fixed the problem. From now, from immediately, you've got to stop charging any fees to any clients, right. and you've got to keep providing the service. So, I mean, that, you know, that wasn't a change in law that happened. That was just... An enforcement yep. position, do you know what I mean? And that's that's a major thing that they've done. I mean, the banks probably, you know, in the context of their revenue, it's not that big, but but in the context of using their powers, it's one of the biggest things they've done. And that was before the Royal Commission actually even came out. Yeah, and I wonder whether that was by design or not. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but I think the revenue for that is about forty million, mm. so it's not huge. No. Uh, and actually, I was speaking to a friend of mine at the Commonwealth Bank Financial Planning yesterday. Uh, and he was suggesting that there's some, there is some turmoil going on there. <laughs> really? Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> that, that's a, that's a shock. Yeah, yeah. I would have thought it was uh, all you know, and, uh, 
Yeah, so it will be interesting to see how that, that they have to go to work every day and provide that service, and ultimately they're not receiving any remuneration for that. Yeah. Under um, that undertaking. Well, this, the, the, the employees are still drawing their salaries. Yeah, indeed. Um, indeed. Yeah. Anyway, look, I, I guess let's move on, and probably the most controversial thing, and it's affected a lot of our colleagues uh, a lot, and I'm actually speaking to a couple of my mates who are mortgage brokers today, but mm. yeah, the, the way they've come down on mortgage brokers was, was really quite unexpected and certainly the most mm. heavy-handed um, thing in the Royal Commission that I could see. Just for our listeners, uh, typically, you know, and you know, probably 60% of our listeners have used mortgage brokers because 60% of the country do but the way mortgage brokers make their money is obviously they can shop around to all sorts of different banks and non-bank lenders they get paid an upfront commission from the bank it doesn't cost the customer anything uh, and then they do also get an ongoing trail uh, commission from the banks uh, for as long as the, the loan is in place typically speaking you get just as good a deal often better dealing with the mortgage broker so it doesn't cost people more uh, but in the Royal Commission, you know, there were a number of cases, although it certainly wasn't the dominant thing in the Royal Commission about mortgage brokers sort of recommending people to borrow too much and falsifying documents and the like. Um, you know, it certainly wasn't a major part, but the report, the, the recommendations incredibly harsh have come down that uh, they're going to stop all the trailing commissions, which really affects their business model. Uh, yep. And they're going to. You can keep what you've got, but you can't get any new ones. And also, the recommendation was in a couple of years' time that even the upfront commission that you can't get any commission from the banks. You're going to have to get people to pay to pay you directly, yeah. which which is you know a massive, massive change to their model. What did you make of it? Uh, well, we have uh, mortgage brokers in our office actually that we work very closely with. Uh, yeah. They're not part of our firm, but we've worked with them for 15 years, and obviously they were quite surprised by the um, recommendations. Um, you know, I, I think it's probably a reaction to some of the commentary that happened in the Commission, especially with Matt Coleman at the Commonwealth mm, Bank and, mm. and the interaction between him and Ken Hain. Uh, but certainly it, it does throw up some questions about uh, how people source mortgages from now on. Mm. And if that Commission is not being paid to the mortgage uh, broker... Are the banks going to keep that? Yeah, or are sure they going to? Yeah, well, it's um, one of those things that they can, you know, they can do. You know, it's opaque, isn't it? Yeah, they're not going to go yeah. and decrease if their trial commission is point one five percent. Yeah, they're not going to decrease more rates by point one five. Or if they do, they may then later say, "Oh no, we're actually increasing them." So you'll never really, you'll never know. That's right. So, and I think the question then is asked: Who's now going to? do ongoing reviews on those mortgages for those clients if well, the broker is not being yeah. paid. Yeah, but what, um, I mean, what about just the devastation for the, you know, for the broker industry itself? Yeah. I, I think millions have been wiped off the value of mortgage broking businesses mm. all across the country. Um, yeah. And I was talking to, as I say, to brokers, friends of mine, and they're extremely worried about mm. how they might potentially sell their business if they can sell their business at any point in the future well the businesses have certainly dropped in value enormously yeah i mean and because yeah i mean the whole you know the value in the business is the ongoing you know the ongoing trail income which they've got i mean i i 
I think it's you know I, I think he's taken an absolute sledgehammer to it. I think in part why it occurred this way is because mortgage brokers have not really been heavily regulated in the past. There, you know, there, there was all sort of new regulations that came out for financial advice, for life insurance, and they never touched mm. mortgage brokers. So he almost sort of looked at this from an absolute, you know, blank slate and said, what is the absolute ideal? And he went for that. Whereas in, you know, financial advice or insurance, he said, look, you know, there's been a number of measures which have been made. Let's see how they play out to some extent. I mean, he did still make some changes, but with mortgage broking, there, there hadn't been anything really. That's right. Yeah, and I still think it comes back to this theme that, you know, it's really all about transparency. Mm. It's all around the client controlling the fee um, and that relationship going forward. Um, Mm. I'm not saying I agree with what's happened, but uh, that seems to be the theme that the client needs to control the fee. Yeah. But do you think that in the mortgage industry that trial commissions are, are the devil? certainly don't yeah no uh but again i think this is a more of an overarching theme that's running through the financial services Mm. sector as a whole right Uh, it happened to us when we were banned from receiving any sort of commissions on financial products yeah uh and it's and it's permeated through the rest of the financial services industry Mm. Uh, and I think it will continue. I don't think it's going away, unfortunately. Mm. I have to say, though, where I feel for financial, uh, sorry, for mortgage brokers, I mean, as financial planners, I think we can do a lot of things for clients. You know, we look after their investments, their super. Uh, We can coordinate their estate planning, do their insurance, do tax planning with them. We've got a, you know, we've got a valuable service offering now. Sure, not everyone, it's not for everyone, and that's fine. But we, we've got a real ongoing service model that can be attractive to people, you know, who will pay us a fee for that. Now, if yeah. if you're only sort of if you're one trick pony and all you've got is mortgages, it's very hard to have a service like that. I know that they sort of can review it every now and then, but it's yeah. it's you know for them to transition to like a a fee for service type approach that we have, unless they're going to expand their you know, really expand the range of services that they provide, it, it's going to be almost impossible. I think. I think what you'll see happen is that it would be very similar to what's happened in the financial services industry where you tend to get to high net worth clients mm. that are prepared to pay a fee for someone to do the research yeah. and the implementation mm. of, let's say, our advice from a planning point of view or someone to do that mortgage work to get the right loan. Yeah. And what that creates, of course, is uh, those that are wealthier can afford that sort of research and those that are not will probably just end up walking into their banks. Well, it's not just wealthy, really. It's kind of people, you know, to, to ask people to start paying for something they've never paid for before, yep. uh, you know, is difficult. <laughs> it's difficult. I mean, you could argue the same thing happened with financial planners. I mean, we used to, yep. you know, financial planners traditionally when I started got paid by the product um itself and people didn't sort of see an explicit payment and we were able to you know we had to over time change our models so that we were paid by the client um but you know i mean mortgage brokers even as it stands now they still have issues of you know they'll they'll recommend something for a client they'll get them a really good deal and then the client will go back to their bank and get 0.1 percent better and not go to them do you know what i mean 
it's it, it's it's harsh. I I think it's you know, and it's gonna you know obviously decrease competition as well, significantly. But well, it did happen in the UK. They tried this in the UK, and it didn't work. Right, it didn't work. Uh, so have they gone back no, to commissions there? They have, yeah. Mm. Uh, and they did the same with insurances in the UK as well. Um, so there's um, it'd be interesting to see how this plays out. I think the worry for the mortgage industry is that. Uh, I think the coalition were probably more willing to uh, accept some sort of lobbying on this. I think if uh, Labour win in May, uh, there'll be less chance of that happening. Yeah, well, Labour basically... Well, well, basically, the coalitions... I mean, that was the one sort of asterisk they put on accepting all the recommendations, which was yep. they accept that, you know, all trails will go, but they didn't... They said, oh, we'll still want to review whether up front commissions should go. But Labor said, no, we're accepting every single thing. That's right. I mean, yeah, so it's going to be very difficult going forward based on where the polls are at the moment. Yeah. I mean, obviously things can change. Yeah. It doesn't look that great. But I said in my rant, you know, this is totally unprecedented that, you know, mm. a Royal Commission report comes out and seconds later, the government, you know, and then Labor accept every single recommendation and put a timeline on the implementation of it. I mean, this is completely unprecedented. You know, most of the time, you know, they'll they'll obviously, you know, accept the, the majority of it, but they'll do some work, some research, some consultation, you know. But if you see what Liberal came, they, they came out with everything, in ter- including dates, and that they were going to put everything in place, and it's purely because it's just become such a hot political item. Well, it's bad timing mm. because <laughs> we've got an election. Exactly. Uh, so they have to draw a line in the sand and make that case. Uh, if this was a year ago, we may have had a different outcome. Yeah. I mean, in terms of the government's recommendations mm. to, to implement. But yeah, so, the concern is if they put this stuff in place, like the mortgage brokers, they're going to expedite putting it in place for political reasons, but I don't think they'll have really considered, you know, what the, what what it really means. Oh, I think... You're right. Uh, one thing I've written down for the, the last two days is unintended consequences. Mm. And I think there will be a few of them. Yeah. Um, so I think that's certainly not been... There's not been a great deal of thought put into mm. the implementation of these recommendations. Mm. Well, let's move on to financial advice. Uh, sure. I suppose that's something that is close to our hearts. And I have to say, and not, and, you know... It has, uh, I always take the attitude that, you know, I do what I do in my business. I think I'm very very transparent, clear with my clients. They see the value. They know what they're paying. But unfortunately, the industry as a whole, you know, has got has had a bad reputation. Um, mm-hmm. The question is, is, you know, and I find that a bit upsetting, to be honest, you know, if from a personal yeah, point too. of view, that, you know, it's this is the profession that I do. I believe in it. But the public trust in it and the media reports are so so bad. Do you think what they do? You think there's a chance of this turning around based on on the Royal Commission recommendations? Uh, not solely mm. on those recommendations, but I think this movement has been going on for some time. Um, SOPA went some of the way there. Yeah. Um, uh, this has gone a little bit further. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the the heavy hand of ASIC going forward and the increased education standards. Uh, and, yeah. and neither, not one of these on their own is going to solve the problem. Mm. 
Uh, but I think them as a, a culmination of factors will certainly help push the industry much more towards a much more respected profession at, at some point in the future. Yeah. Well, I certainly hope that that happens. You know, on a um, on a global basis. I mean, you know, I think we'll, you know, both you and I will be confident that it's happening on our individual business basis. But, but still, what the, what the public's perception of the overall industry is is problematic. Um, there's no question about that. I mean, you know, th- once again, there was nothing per se that was I thought that was that significant. I mean, he has put the recommendation in that you know you have to agree every single year with your client. Uh, what the fee that you're going to charge is and have them, you know, agree to that in advance every single year. You can't just have these ongoing rolling, you know, advice relationships that they'd never sort of reconsider. And I think that's a good thing. And, you know, we've moved largely towards that already anyway. We've been doing that process for quite a while. Um, So I think that's a good thing. Absolutely. We've been doing that for some time. Yeah. Uh, the actual legal requirement is, I think, a two-year yeah. opt-in, as you're well aware. Uh, we we pretty much, when we sit down with those clients on an annual basis, we uh, talk about what we're going to be doing for the next financial year. We obviously talk about what we've done uh, and obviously re- reconfirm those services and the fee. Yeah. I think that's common sense. Absolutely. Uh, it absolutely uh, makes sense. And it... Yeah, and the power should be in the in the hands of the client. And, and to be perfectly honest, um, you know, if the client doesn't want to con- doesn't want to continue, there should be that opportunity, you know, in any relationship to be reexamined. It. Any kind of any kind of professional relationship that you have, and and I think that, you know, I think that that that's really important. Uh, I think so. So uh, I think the interesting thing will be is that renegotiation of the services and the fee. Mm. Um, I, I think the one thing I think we've got to be careful of as an industry is is not letting the compliance allow our fees to be pushed too high. Um, mm. It's very easy for that to happen uh, because there is a lot of compliance burden in what we do now. Mm. Uh, and we've got to be cognizant of that uh, and try and make our businesses as efficient as we possibly can yeah. to buy that service. Well, I've always, that argument, you know, and obviously there's a lot of work, a lot of compliance work, but, you know, my general argument with that is, is you know, clients don't care what compliance you've got to do in the background. It's, it's irrelevant. Sure. Like when you go and buy a tyre, right, you mm. don't care what's happened in the, in the no. shop or in the factory or whatever. Like you just want your tyre to work and you're willing to pay a fee to get that tyre. But just the fact that it's been, um, you know, the fact that the, the factory is, I don't know, a bit inefficient or they've got all these government standards that they've got to fight towards. I mean, as a client, you don't care. True. Absolutely. So, um, um, but, yeah. But that doesn't mean to say we shouldn't make our businesses as efficient as possible. Absolutely. Uh, to help deliver. Well, that's right. I, I agree with you, but what I'm saying is, is um, I'm saying, yeah, some other people just say, oh, look, you know, it's, you know, it's just pushing up the cost. Or you hear other people complain, it's just pushing up the cost, pushing up the cost. And as I said, well, Yes, but that means we've got to get, you know, exactly as you said, we've got to get better at running our businesses. You yeah. know, it's, 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 you know, compliant on us to do it. So what else? I mean, uh, you know, they, they, so that, they made that annual sort of agreement. So that came in place and they also yep. reinforced that, you know, to apply to superannuation as well. 
So when you're taking advice fees from super, obviously the same thing applies. Um, was there anything else significant that you saw for the financial advice industry? I saw the Life Insurance Commission uh, reduction in the caps ultimately to zero. Yeah. It's significant. Yeah. Uh, I think that's something that's going to have a major effect on a number of financial planning industry, uh, sorry, firms. Uh, going forward. Right, so just for our listeners, life insurance, similar to mortgage brokers, you know, you, you, you pay your premium, you don't necessarily pay the advisor directly, although some people do rebate the commissions and get paid directly, but the vast majority don't. Uh, and there have been moves about reducing those commissions because they were very high at like 100% of the first year, uh, and they've been they're dropping them significantly. And now he's saying that maybe they should drop to zero, but he's not but he hasn't actually... Com- was that really a firm recommendation that that's what is going to happen? Or is it a... It would seem more like, oh, I don't see any reason why they shouldn't drop to zero, something like that. That's, I thought it was a bit wishy-washy. Yeah. I think the wording was, ultimately it should drop to zero unless there's a significant reason why it shouldn't. Mm. That seemed to be the wording. Um, so it'd be interesting... What does that mean, though? What, I mean, that's, that seems like a... Yeah. I don't get that's that's not a recommendation to me. That's a I don't know. I don't know what that is. Yeah, I think you you will see some attempts to reduce the caps further. Mm. But there's no. I think it's sitting at seventy seven percent at the moment. Yeah, right. I'm not sure. But ultimately, will come down. Uh, the question is whether if insurance companies don't have to pay commissions to advisors, do they reduce the cost of the premium? Yeah, well, it's it's similar to the banks. If they don't have to pay commission to brokers, you know, will they reduce their loans? But you never really, you never really know the answer to that. You really don't. Because they use, well, the, you know... Yeah, the only difference with life insurance is that the, the commission is intrinsically linked to the premium. So if you were to sacrifice your commission or dial it down to zero mm. as we call it often reduces the premium by up to 40 percent the life of the of the policy yeah so that's significant absolutely it's very significant um, yeah but i'd be very concerned if the commissions went to zero and the insurance companies weren't following through with a reduction in premiums but what I'm saying is the issue with the insurance is that they can always come back in a year's time and yeah. say, oh, look, guess what? You know, we've had to increase the premiums because we've had too many claims. And you don't know exactly what's going on behind the scenes when they do that. Not very transparent. It's completely not transparent. It's just like a bank increasing their interest rates. They say, oh, our cost of funding's gone up. Well, maybe it has a bit, maybe it hasn't. Who knows, you know? That's right. Um, so it's like... Yeah, you kind of, they kind of clear up, try and get things really transparent at one end, right? But it's still not transparent. <laughs> I mean, the, yeah. the very nature of insurance is people pay money, it's pooled in, a, in investments, it pays out uh, claims, and there's some profits left for the insurer. I mean, there's no direct formula for that. No, and uh, that's why I'm not an actuary. Yeah, well, from what 
seems to be the actuaries, I don't know, either the actuaries stuff it up because I'm seeing, and it's really problematic, I'm seeing clients you know, now having their premiums ramped up enormously. I've had a couple that they've yeah. been ramped up by 30%. And yeah, it's, it's a lot, isn't it? It's just, it's just ridiculous. Mm. Look, I guess we're probably confusing the listeners a little bit because, you know, we're talking about commissions, but we said commissions were out. But as I said, there have been a couple of carve-outs for commissions. You know, life insurance was a carve-out that they kept them just because of the concept that um, that people, you know, won't pay, well, the argument that people won't pay for insurance separately. Right, so that's why they did keep it because it's important for the community. People do get insurance, and they won't pay, and they won't get it otherwise. So that's why they kept kept commissions in place. But you know, maybe that was a whole flawed reasoning anyway. Do you think? Do you think it was? It's flawed. Do you think if there are no commissions in insurance, that people will still take it out? That people will will pay a professional just to to find the best insurance for them? Well, I can only go on what happened in the UK. I think insurance sales fell about eighty percent. Mm. when they stopped uh, paying commissions. So that's the only real evidence I have to suggest that people won't pay a fee for com- for insurance. So you reckon it won't work? Ultimately, I don't think it will. Mm. Mm. But it will be interesting to see. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the other thing I, I, I that, you know, I've started to pay too much attention to is they're talking about another sort of I don't know, registration or complaints body for financial advisors. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what that means. Another, you know, there always seems to be recommending another body and another authority to complain to or to register with. I don't, yeah, I don't know if that makes think, a difference. Look, it makes sense to have everything in one place. I, yeah. I think I get that. Um, but I think Africa is going to be the main Port of call. Uh, mm. I, don't, I don't know whether it solves the issues. Uh, I think it um, ultimately confuses people. You keep changing the rules and the pathway that you need to take. Yeah, um, well, yeah, it just seems, you know, they're creating another body to oversee the regulators, you know, and then they're creating a new authority for, you know, I, I, you know, I actually, I, I truly don't know how many bodies that we are, we are part of we've got the association we've got to be tax advisors we've got to be licensed through our you know dealer group we've got to be licensed straight through ASIC I mean yeah you know, and now they're, they're adding another one or are they getting rid of some of the others or does it mean anything to, to does it mean anything to people in the end or is it just a better way of supervising well I, I, ultimately I, I would accept a simplification of the system mm. I think that would be sensible, uh, but you just don't want to create entities for the sake of creating entities. Yeah, and uh, and I thought I certainly agree with you on that. Yeah, uh, you want something that's very simple that people know exactly what the process is. If you generally have a complaint, then there should be a very transparent process you can go through to get some sort of resolution. Yeah, and I just that, don't think it's very clear. Yeah. The other thing which I thought was quite interesting that, you know, a lot of people wouldn't pick up, but we do, is that, you know, the roles of the trustees of superannuation funds, so when we're talking about the big superannuation funds, you know, that are run by, say, the, um, you know, the banks or whoever it might be, uh, where, you know, you've got, um, you know, the trustees are very closely related to the people that are 
running the fund and making the profits. And what they're saying now is that no, those trustees need to be sort of totally separate and a total sort of independent body that is really looking after the members as opposed to cozying up to the, you know, to the company itself that is running and making profit from the fund. Did you pick that up? Yeah, and I think that independence can only be a good thing. Mm. Uh, and reducing conflicts of interest can only be a good thing. Mm. Uh, and I think for far too long, a lot of these super funds, industry and retail, there, there's probably far too many conflicts of interest. Mm. Uh, and that certainly needs to be reduced. Yeah, they no, can I, certainly do that. Yeah. That's good. And I think that that's going to be... Um once again, not a direct effect of the Royal Commission, but you know, trustees of super funds have always had that kind of responsibility. Um, whether they've really taken it as seriously as they should, I don't know. Um, but they're going to have to take it bloody seriously now because, once again, it comes back to that enforcement thing that uh, you know they're just going to be enforcing things so much more. Yeah, and I think that threat of criminal charges generally yeah. gets people to wake up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, obviously, civil charges are different. Uh, but I think I've no doubt taken things more seriously over the last 12 months as you read more and more about the consequences of whatever actions is you do as a company and an advisor. So you said you're, yeah. you're, you're taking things more carefully, do you say? Absolutely. Uh, I think you've really got to revisit all this and say, Mm. okay, where are the risks? Mm. Uh, How do we mitigate those risks? Uh, How do we change the processes to make sure that we're doing the right thing by the client Mm. at each stage of the process? Uh, So ultimately, back to what they call that best interest duty. Yeah, Yeah, well, that's... um, Yeah, I mean, that's, that's really important. I mean, because I think, you know... It's easy to say, look at one industry and say, oh, look, you know, they're totally conflicted. But the reality is, is any professional service, you know, anyway, there is conflicts in everything, right, really. Uh, you know, doctors can be conflicted, lawyers can be conflicted, yep. accountants can be. I mean, probably the reason why uh, the financial services industry has been even more so is because traditionally or, you know, in the old days, the advice was so intertwined with the actual investment fund or product or insurance yes you know maybe that's why but 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 conflicts exist everywhere you can't completely eliminate them i mean no but you have to manage them that's right and the question is is does does the what what makes people manage them better the threat of potential legal action or you know or ethics well i think it's both isn't it Mm. Stick in the carrot. Yeah. Right. And, uh, uh, look, I, I certainly, uh, you know, I think I have excellent ethics, and I'm also scared of criminal prosecution. Mm. So I think it works for me, <laughs> but uh, everyone's different. That's right. So you... Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm probably coming towards the end, but was there anything? Anything that we sort of missed? Is there anything else that you thought was was significant that maybe we haven't chatted about? Oh, the only little one I found was this um, disclosure of a lack of independence. Ah, yeah. We're, we're going to have to display 
in our FSG, our financial services guide. Mm. Um, and I'm just interested to see what that will look like. Um, yeah, that was that is a big one. So basically, you can only call yourself independent if you don't take any, uh, you, if you've got no uh, sort of insurance commissions or anything in your business, and if you're not charging anyone a fee based on the amount of assets that they've got, you you need to have not, and then you can call yourself independent. Yeah, is that you? That's your understanding. Yeah, that's right. And if um, you don't have, and if if you don't, if you charge someone based somewhat on their investments then you've got to actually upfront say, I'm not independent and this is why. Yeah, so it actually says in the disclose your lack of independence. Yeah. So how do you, how does one disclose their lack of independence? So it'd be interesting to see mm. what wording we're gonna to have to put in there. Yeah, so people have so to say, Listen, I'm not independent. Because it's of yeah, and it's got to be really, really upfront. I mean, that's a great yep. way to build trust origin initially, isn't it, with the client? <laughs> I guess what? I'm not independent. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Anyway, yeah, that will be interesting. But um, anyway, look, lots of lots of good stuff. I think, uh, I, I, as I said, I'm overall, uh, you know, in terms of how it impacts us, I think it, I'm overall comfortable with it. I think you're right. I think, you know, in, in any business... Uh, you've always got to be reviewing what you're doing, the service that you're offering, the quality of service that you're offering. I think that applies everywhere. I think it you know, applies to us, certainly. Um, and we've probably got a bit more of a blowtorch on it because of all this. But, you know, hopefully it can only make good businesses better. You know, the only downside is, is I think, you know, certainly for one part of the industry, for mortgage brokers, this has got the potential to completely decimate the industry. And that's... And that's really sad and unfortunate. Yeah, let's hope not. They, yeah. um, they provide an excellent service. Um, so let's hope they can get through it. Yeah. All right, James, thanks very much for, uh, for catching up. Always good to have a chat and to get, you. your, to get your views on it. Thanks again. See you soon. Okay, see you. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, so that was my chat about the Royal Commission. Anyway, hopefully you've heard me bang on about it for a long time. The report's finally out. I think you might hear a bit less from me about it from now on. Uh, So, you know, some of you might be relieved about that. Okay, well, that's all for the show today. Uh, Thanks for tuning in. Uh, If you like the show, head over to uh, iTunes, search The Finance Hour, and leave us a rate and review. I'd really appreciate if you would do that. It just means that we will be able to get in touch with more people. In fact, I had someone touch base with me who was based in Warrnambool who came across the show and probably the only way she would have come across it is if people leave reviews and that kind of increases the rating of the show and makes it more searchable so thank you very much for your support and have a great week